We are in week 26 of the 50 States, 50 Weeks, and 50 Coffee Shop series. Today I get to talk with Natalie Van Dusen and DJ Newell from Tree Line Coffee in Montana. They've got a fun story because they're friends first and co-owners of the shop second. They work really well together and are great examples of how to co-own a shop and communicate well. They're also offering you, as my listener, a 15% discount on their coffee if you go to treelinecoffee.com and use the code BaristaTalk at checkout. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast or have other coffee shops you recommend, feel free to email me at baristatalkshow at gmail.com. With that, grab your coffee or tea and let's dive right in. Well, thanks for hopping on today. I think it's such a fun story to have both of you on the podcast and co-owning a shop. What does that look like for you? It looks like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, we get asked a lot about partnerships, and I know that that can be really difficult for some, and I was discouraged against it when starting out, but we are so fortunate and lucky. We just have a really wonderful relationship and dynamic. I met DJ when she was seven at a summer camp, and I was a counselor and just hit it off, and we're like sisters, so we have a really wonderful dynamic and are very lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. People are, like, kind of shocked when they meet Natalie and I that we spend so much time together. I mean, we're in the shop all day together, and then we leave the shop and spend time together, and... Her son calls me his aunt, and we're just, like, very, very intertwined in our lives. But almost to the point where when we're at Treeline, we are, like, almost the same person. So we kind of just operate in tandem that, like, where one person may have forgotten something, the other person picks it up, and we kind of just, like, pick up where the other person left off, and we just kind of work quickly and in sync, and it just really works for us. You know, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks, and I, my oh, head is, like, in a thousand different places at once, and Natalie is not only one of my native honors, but also my co-business owner, so where I'm, like, just totally forgetting to do things, because I'm very preoccupied. She's like, oh, I got it, you know, and it's just, like, behind the scenes, and when she was having West, her son, it was the same thing, so it's just, you have, like, a pretty magical partnership that is very hard to explain, and a lot of people, like, kind of cock their head to the side, and they're like, wait. Well, and especially being two women in business together, that is very different. And in the coffee world, it's kind of rare to find women who own coffee shops. So this is a very rare circumstance that we're finding ourselves (laughs) in. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy for us to forget that because we're just showing up doing our thing every day. But it is a little rarer than I think we'd all like it to be. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, Bozeman is such a, Bozeman is such like a community-involved, collaborative environment, and there are so many entrepreneurs here, and there are so many people starting and creating and cultivating, and there's a lot of boss lady energy in Bozeman, and so I think for me, especially as a younger business owner, when I 
first jumped in and became Natalie's business partner, it was like, oh, this isn't, you know, abnormal. Like, this is totally normal for Bozeman. And it wasn't until I stepped out of Montana and started to network outside the state that I realized that a female entrepreneurship and a total female ownership team was very rare. And it was like, as shocking as it was sort of like a pride moment for me that it was like, I'm so happy to be in a community that you wouldn't think twice about owning a business as a a woman because our immediate community here in Bozeman has just been supportive. And, you know, Natalie was part of like a boss lady collaboration early on and we've done like boss lady bashes and we're part of a sky oral uh, work group. That's all like female focus. So we have like a lot of resources here, but I think that it's easy for us to forget that it isn't the norm. (laughs) Playing off of that, being able to use your strengths as feeling as if you're one unit, but you have twice the amount of manpower in a way. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me of my sisters who are twins when one person is out of the room, the other can kind of take over. And there's something really fun about that to be able to say, oh, I've got your back. I can pick up right where you left off. Exactly. Well, let's dive into a little bit about both of your coffee stories. How did you get involved in coffee? And then what led you to start roasting and open a shop? I think our coffee story is kind of fun. I grew up drinking coffee from a really young age. I would brew it for my parents in their pot and then give it to them and then steal the remainder with like lots of cream and sugar. And then, you know, just always really loved coffee shop culture and hanging out in coffee shops in high school and college. And I thought that I was this like coffee snob or something. I knew a lot about coffee. And then I was on a motorcycle trip in South America in 2008 and had the opportunity to visit a farm in Colombia. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, what? I don't know anything about coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had this really fascinating life bulb moment of just intrigue and fascination with the farmer and the processing and then he had a little stovetop that we roasted coffee outside in this outdoor kitchen and my head was exploding and I just thought it was really cool so I bought some green beans from him and took them home and at the time I was living in San Francisco and proceeded to try and you know burn down my apartment roasting myself (laughs) and I was just a hobby roaster but had had the really good fortune of living in a place like San Francisco with an incredible coffee culture and incredible emerging a specialty coffee culture as a hobby roaster and learning. And then when uh, my husband and I decided to make the move out to Montana, I had always wanted some sort of coffee business, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like. And when we got here, I saw a real opportunity to build a very focused specialty farm to cup lighter roasting type of business here um, that was really integrated in the outdoor community. We slowly from the ground up started to build what was then Little Red Wagon Coffee Roasters and became Treeline a few years in. DJ joined me along the way. She can tell her version of joining in. (laughs) Yeah, I was, Natalie and I both, you know, grew up and lived in California and I was taking a break in between undergrad and going to law school and I told Natalie, I was going to come to Montana, I want to spend the summer here, I just need to get some fresh air and get away from California for a bit and uh, I came to Bozeman 
I was here for like two weeks and she had started the shop in the last like six months and I was working for her part-time. I think we were like trading for rent or something. <laughs> and I was working like very part-time and I just totally fell in love with Bozeman and I could see that what Natalie was building was amazing and like Natalie being my sister slash mentor like growing up it was very easy to be like oh this is cool I can do this with you for a bit and called my parents was like I'm not coming home like I'm gonna push law school back like I, I want to stay in Bozeman there's something here for me and whether it's coffee like who knows but there's something here for me and then almost a year later we went to Panama on my first sourcing trip and my head was like the epitome of one of the like exploding head emojis. I was just like <laughs> mind blown by what was happening. And I had no idea, like I had no idea when it, what went into coffee. I had no idea the amount of work, the amount of labor, like how just like intense and just intricate that the process is. And I felt like I needed to tell that story. Like I'm a pretty outgoing person and I'm a storyteller and, um, I looked at Natalie and I was like, I want to, this is my job now. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing marketing for Treeline. Like, this is what I want to do. And she's like, okay. And that's kind of like Treeline's story is we just like create opportunities for people to like step into. And it's usually when somebody has like a light bulb moment, they're like, hey, I think I can do this. And like, yeah, totally do it. And I felt like I could do this. And we came home and I realized that I could make a career out of it. And then again, almost a year later, I approached Natalie about, buying out her original business partner when we were building our first cafe in the north side of Bozeman and was like, this feels like mine. I love you. I love this business. I feel like we're creating something together. I have never been a part of something that like blood, sweat, tears at the end of the day is like an accomplishment. Like it was just like pouring my soul into this company and it felt so great. And I just wanted, I wanted like a piece of it, like just like a, a medal to wear around almost <laughs> like, like this is my baby. <laughs> and approached Natalie and I, I bought in that summer as we were opening up what we rebranded to Treeline Coffee Roasters and the rest was just kind of history. And it was just this moment in Panama that just set my life into motion, which was like pretty spectacular. And to be, to have my coffee store born in origin, was amazing and to have the rest kind of fall into place like we didn't even get our first like real espresso machine real real but we got the mod bar when we opened up tree line or no i guess yeah. we had the mobile setup yeah so that was like 2016 and so whenever i meet other people in coffee we always like laugh that our coffee stories are exact opposites because people <laughs> usually start as baristas and then they become a manager and then they meet maybe own and then they go to orkin or however it is. And I just love the uniqueness of everyone's coffee story. And mine definitely was like, I started at Orchard and then I learned how to pull a shot of espresso and then I bought a coffee shop and then I like, so yeah, I think it's just our coffee stories are same, same, but different, but both kind of like light bulb moments for the both of us at Origin. Like you said, starting at Origin, Natalie in Colombia, DJ, you in Panama. It's really different having that be the spurring on of the passion is we see where the coffee comes from, who's doing the labor, how much care they put into growing coffee, and how do we bring that back here and still take care of it? I'm assuming that's what the conclusion was from your trip. You totally yeah. nailed it. That is definitely, I think for me, I was like, man, I've been a coffee lover since I was like six years old. 
and didn't understand most things about it. And so when building the business, we wanted to be really mindful about this coffee has a story and there's so many people that touch it and so many people that are so passionate about the coffee and love what they do. I mean, I think it's such a passion industry. Mm-hmm. I've never worked. I've had several jobs in several industries. I've never experienced something like this where it doesn't matter what piece of the industry you go to, whether it's origin or suppliers, our baristas or our customers, or everyone just so loves coffee so much. And so we just really wanted to have that story of the farmers and all that hard work like transcend. And I think that that really speaks to our roasting style too. And part of the reason we roast so much lighter is because the origin characteristics are more preserved in those lighter roasts and have less of a, of a roast type flavor. And so we really try and be thoughtful about who we're sourcing from and how we're sourcing and good sustainable practices happening at origin. And then that the flavor profiles are really unique and different so that we can meet a lot of different customers where they're at. And that if you love, you know, DJ and I have favorite, our favorite coffees are totally different. I love fruity, jammy, and really wild processing, interesting coffees. And DJ loves, what do you want to say? The chuckable, my like, I like appreciate a good coffee. Like on a Sunday morning, if I'm making a pour over, I love like an intricate coffee, but my day today is one that I didn't even realize that I drank. It was so good and so drinkable. And but it's just like black coffee it was so delicious. You looked out and you're like, wait, did I just drink that? Like, where did that go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. That's fun. So you said you focus on a lighter roast to capture the profiles of the origin a little bit more. Are these washed processed coffees? We buy a lot of different processes. So mm-hmm. being our shop, we get to <laughs> get to choose stuff we really like. I really love natural processed coffees. And now there's some like really cool experimental processing that more and more growers are doing with like anaerobic processing. And that could be like anaerobic natural or anaerobic honey. And then there's all these different honey processed coffees. And there's also washed processed coffees. We are looking for oftentimes like just really unique and interesting and different flavor profiles, but also being thoughtful about the type of processing that's being utilized in the type of region. So you know, an area that is more arid and has, you know, not enough water, being thoughtful to buy natural processed coffees from there because it doesn't utilize as much water to produce that coffee. Being thoughtful about sustainability and what that looks like and how that how we can be supportive of good practices and, you know, a healthy environment for everyone. Yeah, good point. I didn't think about the water being such a high resource in certain areas and taking that into account when you're talking about different processes and what you buy that does change things is that uncommon in your area in Bozeman to have the farm to table process with coffee Montana is I think I heard someone on one of your earlier shows talk about how like trends start at the coast and move their way inward. And we definitely feel that here as well. And um, we're really large geographic state with not a ton of people, but that's not to say that people aren't doing the farm to cup or sourcing type things. I think we're seeing more and more of it and we're more focused on it as time goes on. So it's definitely, I think follows the trend of, 
the specialty industry, you know, as people start to adopt the specialty concept. Well, and even like farm to table in Montana is not a totally foreign concept because there is such a like strong farming presence here. And so like a lot of the meat that we are spoiled with, like at restaurants or even in the grocery stores is usually like grass fed raised within like 20 miles of Bozeman. So we like the concept of like going to a farmer's market and like meeting your farmers or like we have a flower subscription with a local florist that like they have the flower farm that they like pick and they bring by our cafes like that concept of like living off the land and like utilizing Montana for all that it's worth and preserving the land like we have a community here that has already bought into the idea of like trail preservation and public lands and our national park obviously and state parks and water preservation and we have like a huge agricultural community and so having a coffee shop that's like yeah yeah we believe in all of that we support all of that we donate a ton of money a ton of resources to help our local community with their quote-unquote farm-to-table efforts um and then when we're like oh we actually went to columbia and met these farmers and this is their take and this is what they're doing in their community to do the same things and our customers are like oh yeah and they like they already have that understanding of it because montana has already kind of paved the way with their natural inclination to do like buy local shop local support local farm local like so it for us it was just like a very easy ability to just like slide right in as a coffee roaster that did the same thing oh okay that totally makes sense how about other roasters in the state are you one of the few or are there quite a few that are popping up (laughs) there's quite a few montana is as i mentioned earlier it's and Natalie and I are just talking about this on the way over here. I think she just did a count the other day. In <laughs> well, I just learned about a new roaster that cropped up in town. And I think in Bozeman, which we're a town of 50,000 people. We're not that big. I think there's 14 coffee roasters. No. We're talking coffee roasting companies. <laughs> oh. And then there's like, you know, at so least a couple shops. dozen more coffee shops. And it's so interesting because there's also like a weird amount of breweries in Montana because of the like liquor laws here. But there's it's this community like Bozeman, Missoula, Billings, Helena, like all of these micro communities all over Montana that have these coffee roasters and coffee shops and there our population is like just under or just over a million and there's enough room for all of us. Like it's not it doesn't feel squeezed out. Like we're we're in a little neighborhood and people seek us out in our little neighborhood. There's another coffee shop that's like a half a mile away that's in their own neighborhood and people seek them out to go into their neighborhood and we all just kind of coexist. You know, we are not the only coffee roaster in Montana. We're not the only coffee roaster Mm -hmm. in Bozeman. We have our people. They have their people. Some of our people are their people. Like this community is so supportive of entrepreneurs and people starting businesses and there's like not really a huge us versus them mentality. I don't think so. I mean, like Natalie and I don't behave that way. So we don't notice it if there is, but it's just kind of like, oh yeah, cool. You open up a shop. Awesome. Like we popped into a new coffee roasting company the other day on our way to dinner and it was like, oh yeah, we know you like awesome. Good for you guys. Like congrats. Like we'll have to stop by and grab a cup of coffee. There's definitely like enough room for all of us to go around. And I think just like the energy in Bozeman, where I always like to joke, like I don't think anyone actually has a job in Bozeman because you can go to like a restaurant, brewery, a coffee shop, 
at any time during the day and it's like overflowing with people and like some are on laptops and some are holding meetings and like do any of us like have a nine to five actually <laughs> like obviously people do it's like this community of like people around always there's enough seats to go around well, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. And are there other shops in the state, speaking of which, that you recommend people go see? Black Coffee and Missoula, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. They're like very good friends of ours, and we met them pretty early on. And every time we go to SCA um, in Seattle, they always go up there, too, and it's, like, fun to run into them on the expo floor. The one we just walked in. Yeah. Oh, Shredmonk? Shredmonk, yeah. They are, like, a coffee brewery-type establishment. Yeah, they just opened, like, last week. <laughs> yeah. Across, yeah. They, yeah, they would be fun to check out. I'm trying to think of other parts of the state, too. I think Wild Coffee is now roasting their own up in Whitefish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were really good. Yeah. There's the Juice Bar in Big Sky, Steel Press Juice. They've got good coffee in Big Sky. Gosh, there's so many. I feel like, yeah, you just have to, like, look up what pocket you're in. It kind of depends on where you're at in the state. The state's so huge. The state is massive. When Nat and I travel, we're usually traveling out of state. So if you, like, ask us what our favorite coffee shops were in, like, literally any state, we can give you, like, a huge list. But, like, here at home, it's really hard to, like, pop into other shops. Like, I'm terrible about even going to our second cafe, like, alone another coffee shop. Like, I live a half a mile away from our roasting room, so it's very, like, there and back again. <laughs> at any time we go anywhere, whether it's for a conference or a training or even, you know, just not on vacation, we usually have, like, a pretty substantial list of coffee shops that we need to go to, and our significant others are like, here we go. <laughs> We're going to be so over-caffeinated by 10 a.m. <laughs> That's exactly what I was so fun of. to explore what everyone else is doing and, yeah. like, their take on things and their aesthetic and their vibe and their team. And it's just, like, it's such a fun thing to go adventure with. And to get inspiration. And machines and just, like, everyone's preference of, like, aesthetic and style and bar layout. And it's so interesting because... I'll go into a cafe and be like, huh, I would have never thought of that. And it might not work for us and our style and our lines and our cafe, but it like totally works for their space. And it's always just genius to see like other coffee shop owners or their baristas like think of new ways of handling the rush or like where to put a grinder or like, you know, the, the most simple things that like you maybe wouldn't notice if you're just like a patron walking in, but like as a coffee shop owner or as a seasoned barista, you walk in and you're like, huh. That's kind of cool. And that kind of thing, like, just always, we like to get really nerdy with that kind of thing. <laughs> yes. A lot of questions when it comes to co-running a business as women. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe one takeaway of a lesson that you've learned working together. Man, I think there's a lot, but I think my number one would be so much communication. Mm -hmm. I think just being willing to talk about and address everything openly and honestly and with kindness and goes a long way for us we you know probably over communicating but it really works for us we don't let things fester it doesn't turn into a thing like we deal with it it is what it is and we move on we're really collaborative and like make decisions together regardless of like who has more quote-unquote ownership that's not we function very 50 50 so for me it's like communication and, and honesty kindness willing to be wrong ask questions if you are like hey i was thinking i want to do this and if one of us is like no i don't like it it's like okay great <laughs> like what else should we do should, you know and it's like 
we don't really get in our own way. And like Natalie said, like we're very collaborative. We're very transparent with each other. We definitely over communicate. But because of that, it's just like that flow that I was talking about earlier that we were just like able to work in tandem. And like, we definitely do not agree on everything all the time, but that's okay. And I think you have to be okay with not always maybe getting 100% of your way. You also need to trust the other person that if they're taking a project on and running with it, that they get to run with it. And if you ask for help, be willing to receive help. The, the lessons that we all should abide by in life anyways. But as a business owner, because you have an emotional attachment to this thing, like you want to see it succeed, it's your livelihood, right? Mm-hmm. There's a different like heightened emotion around every decision. And you have to trust your business partner to be on the same level. And you may not agree how the execution of that level looks like, but you have to trust. Like it, trust is huge. I run into partners all the time who like have fear and are getting in their own way or they don't trust decisions and they like are sitting and talking to me about it. And like, well, have you said anything to your business partner? And they're like, no, I don't even know how I bring that up. And we don't talk about money. And it's like, well, you need to talk about money. <laughs> like, <laughs> you guys are running a business together. Right. So I think, you know, it's just, it's that it's, making sure that there is nothing that you can't talk about because you should be able to talk about everything. It is your business. It is vulnerable conversations. They're tough conversations. That trust just has to be there. Yeah, that's a good point. Running a business is oftentimes similar to dating in some ways. It's a little bit vulnerable. It's a little scary and there needs to be lots of communication. (laughs) And like you said, sometimes that means walking away. Sometimes that means pressing in when it gets really hard. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking time. Thanks so much for thinking of us. And I, I love your project. I think it's really cool that you're highlighting all the different states and Like I said, I started listening to it, and I'm like, oh, I definitely am intrigued to listen to the rest of the states. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Alrighty, thank you both. Thanks.